You're listening to an On The Move Media Co. production. Like, it's, the, it's that time in between you run the first half and the second half. And it really just, it really just, it's like an ego check. It's like you can, you think you're fit, you think you're a good runner, and then you go out and it can really just show you, it shows you your true colors, you have to dig deep. It's, you know, no one runs a marathon that's easy. Right. Or it's never easy to run a marathon at your, at your best when you're actually giving it your best effort. And I just love that feeling of accomplishment that comes with that. That was Matt Bertrand. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I am super psyched to bring you today's guest, Matt Bertrand. Matt is a running influencer, a YouTuber, and an expert on all things running shoes, marathoning, and running in general. Today, we sync up about where his passion for running began, when he started his YouTube channel, when his next race is, what he's training for, and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation. On to my combo with Matt. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. How did you get into running? Let's start there. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start because um, I was I was looking at my past races. I used to keep, well, I, I still keep all my races that I've ever done on, on Google Docs and I have a different page for every year. So I was going back to see when my first race was and it was in 2005. So I've got to think that, um, yeah, it was in 2005. And I've got to think that I was running for a little bit before I did my first 5K. So I am, if I'm not at 20 years, I'm quickly approaching 20 years of running. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. Running and racing. Yes. Yeah. So my first race was a 5k on uh, Siesta Beach down here in Florida. And um, it was just a summer beach race. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. Everyone goes out and a lot of people run in bare feet and it's in the middle of summer. So, you know, there's just... It's just a lot of fun and you can always jump in the golf right after and it's nice and yeah. warm. It's a, it's a good race for, you know, beginners and people that race a lot. And how did you get into the sport of running? Like, was there something that led you down that path? Um, well, so growing up, I wasn't a runner, I wouldn't say, but I grew up just being very active and I loved mountain biking and just going out. And occasionally I'd go out for a run and my dad would also run a little bit. So that kind of... I had that influence growing up. And then around 2004, I guess when I started, I just felt like I needed to kind of get in shape just a little bit. So I started running. And at that time, my parents lived close by to me. So I would run with my dad. And um, my first race was just a 5K. And I wasn't running too much further than that on my on my normal runs. And it wasn't a daily thing. It might have been a couple of times a week. 
you know how people get started and it just it snowballs from there. Right. Uh, so yeah, I started doing 5Ks and then a 10K, but very quickly after I started, I thought that, uh, I thought triathlon was just so much cooler and why do one sport when I can do three? So the start of my running was actually the start of my triathlon career. Right. Um, and it kind of went hand in hand. So I, I never thought of myself as a runner in the beginning. I was a triathlete, you know. I'd, right. The running was just part of it. So I've got to run to train, but I'm also on the bike and I'm also in the pool and in the golf swimming. Uh, and I did triathlon for several years and it was, it was just loads of fun, loads of fun. And then, let's see, so then in, uh, two, I'm trying to get my dates right for you, but then my wife in 2007, and we met at a half marathon and she, um, she kicked my butt, uh, let's see, but she was still waiting and she knew some people that we both knew from the running scene. So um, I met her talking to them and then we just got, started talking and then we went away. Uh, a couple of months later, we met up at another race and I was doing my second half marathon. So it was like three or four months after we met at my yeah. first half marathon. And, and she finished second at that marathon. She did the full marathon, I did the half and she ran three hours that day. Wow, that's fast. So. Uh, yeah, but the funny thing is, yeah, it's very fast, you know, and I knew I knew her from the running community. She was, you know, she was kind of a big deal. Everyone knew her. She ran fast. She was cute. And, yeah. uh, it's so, great how you, know, you meet people, though, right? Yeah. In this community. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing was, I didn't realize how fast it was. Like when she crossed the line at three hours, I was like, yay, that's great. You know, <laughs> not not thinking, gosh, that is that's flying. That's really amazing. Um, so then, you know, we started, we started going out and we started hanging out. So I started running with her a little bit, but her, me being a, a much slower half marathoner and her being a marathoner, our ideas about training were vastly different. Like right. she was putting in the volume. Right. And, um, and I was still doing triathlon at the time and I, I haven't done an Ironman. So I've done, I've done a couple of half Ironman races, right. uh, but there are a lot of sprint and Olympic distance triathlons around here. It's, they're much smaller, they're much easier to put on. So they're put on a lot more. Yeah. And I was still doing that. And then, um, you know, with her being such a good runner, I thought oh, I need to focus a little more on my running. The competition so, was on. Yeah. And you know, she could thrash me at every distance, you know, for a long time. Uh, and I just decided to gradually switch over to just more focusing on my running. And you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. The time yes. it takes to be a good triathlete, as you know, being just being a triathlete yourself, it's just, it's huge. It takes a lot of time to train for a triathlon and you, when you start coaching with someone like you can pick how many hours you wanna train and it's, this, the hours for triathlon are different than the hours for running. Yeah. And it's funny you say that about the training because I had a coach, I had a triathlon coach and um, I remember her telling me, you know, my wife and I would joke about it now from a running perspective, but because I was then dating my wife, she would tell me that I'm running too much. It's like, no, you're not right. paying attention to the plan. You're running too much. And it's kind of, it's a joke, but you've got to squeeze in all the other training and you can't just beat yeah. yourself up by running all the time to, you know, have that energy to go for an hours long bike ride. And then swimming just always takes it out of me. One of the things I think just, you know, comparing triathlon training to marathon training, because now that I'm 
I've done one marathon, but I know you've done many. So I think that having the multiple sports is great for your body because when you start to run repetitively every day and you don't have anything else that you're doing, it takes a toll on your body. Yeah, it definitely, it can beat you up. So how many marathons have you done thus far? I'm sure you've done a lot. Yeah, I've done a few. I, I think it might be 51 or 52 marathons. And then I've done seven or eight uh, ultras on top okay. of that. So what do you love about the marathon distance? Yeah, that's a good question. Because it's a question I ask myself often. Like every time <laughs> I sign up for it and I'm, and I'm training for one. And it's difficult to come up with it. Because um, so right now I'm kind of in the... I'm kind of in my peak weeks. I'm thinking about doing a marathon in a couple of weeks and I'm probably going to do it. But, you know, I'm in that, that peak training time where nothing's easy and everything's just kind of more difficult and that training volume is kind of getting on top of you. Yeah. But, you know, next week I'll be tapering and then everything will be golden and I'm going to have more time to do everything. And the taper time is a real treat. And when it works out well, you just get to the race feeling fresh but that's not what I love about the marathon. I think the marathon is just, it's, I love the strategy. Uh, I love all the training that has to, go, has to go into it because you can't just roll out of bed and run a marathon. I mean, right. you can, but you can't run it at you your can, potential. But like yeah. probably someone who hasn't done 51 marathons can. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're just covering the distance, I, I think, I do think that most anyone can probably do it. If, there's a lot yeah. of walking, then you run for a little bit. And um, I did, I've done 100 miler and I thought the same thing at the end. It was ridiculously difficult, but it's, it's mental more than physical because you can yeah. kind of, there's a lot of walking involved, you know, especially in the 100 mile race. Um, but I, I think, I think I like, I, I'll never admit it at the time, but I like that pushing yourself to the extreme. You know, when it comes around, mile 16, 17, 18, sometimes 19, 20, when it mm -hmm. really starts getting difficult and then you dig deep and it's like, man, I'm still going. And yes, this hurts, but I'm able to do hard things. I'm able to push through and ultimately achieve your goal. And, um, and also, I'm not talking just about time goals because my last couple marathons, I haven't, I haven't met my A goal. And yet I've run good races because I've given it everything I could. And right. there is something so satisfying in that, that it surprises me every time. It's just when you give it your best, it's very satisfying and you just feel good about it. So yeah. I hope people is, aren't beating themselves up because they're not running a time that they set for themselves, you know? I mean, and so many things can happen, right? Like it's good to have a goal and this is, yeah, I mean, this is life, right? It's good to have big goals and it's also You've important to have, to have like the, the incremental goals and yeah. sometimes set goals that are just crazy to you, right? Because at least there'll be some basic goal that you achieve in the process. Exactly. Like you're saying. Yeah. When I say you know, I haven't met my goal, I've always set goals. So yeah. it's that whole thing like, um, there's a cliche saying that I can't think about it. Something about shooting for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll be among the yeah. stars. So there's, there's something about that. And that's the thought between an A, B and C goal. And then I've had some comments on my videos like, well, I don't make a, a B or C goal because I don't care about that. I'm making an A goal. 
I am going to focus on that. And if I have a B or a C goal, then that'll give me something I can fall back to. And I don't want to fall back into a B goal. Right. Um, that isn't, that doesn't really work for me. I like having that, that backup goal. So if any, if it doesn't go to plan, there's still a sense of achievement, but ultimately it doesn't matter because I'm going to run as fast as I can on the day. And, uh, yeah, that's what I like about it. So where do you, like, what's your, like, sort of sweet spot in your training? Like, where does it, where do you click in? Like, at what point of your training? Like, as I'm training for a marathon now, I mean, I haven't even, I don't even um, feel like I'm training. So what, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, in, as far I mean, as like, in terms of like, time? Yeah, so in terms of, like, feeling great with the training, like, where you, you are feeling strong, in alignment, and confident to do the distance, and not, like, beat up or not exhausted where everything clicks, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there um, ever, okay. yeah. I, I, I don't know. So I'm going to, I, this isn't the most positive thing, but for me, running leaves me pretty tired and a general feeling of being sore and beat up for an entire training cycle. Okay. Um, so there are definitely days like after a day off or um, I get the feeling after I do speed work or after I do a tempo work, I feel really good after I do those runs. Okay. But the general bread and butter runs where I'm just going out and I'm going out for easy miles, they are surprisingly difficult. And I can still okay. come back and my legs are sore and I'm kind of stretching out all day and I have tight hips and hip flexors and, you know, quads are sore. And I think you've got to get over that feeling because that will that will set you back. And just because you're a little sore doesn't mean you are not like primed and ready to go. Yeah, that makes sense. And that is exactly kind of what I was looking to hear because, you know, as someone who I've done all these triathlons, but I haven't done a ton of marathons and I'm like, when is this going to get better? Because I do feel like, you know, the longer runs that I'm doing, like I haven't really done, I mean, I've, I've run like 13 miles. That's not a lot, honestly. Like, I don't feel like it's a lot. I just feel like, yeah. Your next race is Paris. So you've got plenty of time to, to build that up in a, in a safe way. And, you know, you, you're going to knock out, you know, a 20-mile run. You don't have to go that far. Right. But, you know, you, you'll probably do a 20-mile run before Paris. And yeah, no, I, I will. I have – so I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening that are marathoners. I know that a lot of my listeners are runners. So I feel like people can relate to what you're saying in terms of the training and to what I'm saying also because it's like, you know, this – like even today, I have a long run. I kind of moved it from yesterday because it was 24 mile an hour winds. So I'm, I've changed my whole training schedule. Like it's awful, but yeah, I'm fine. I did the same I know thing. You did? I, I okay. ran my long run before this uh, that I put off from Sunday. Okay. So it's uh, totally cool to put your long run off by a day. Yeah. Uh, it's here not, and look, there. Look, like I'm we so are elite strict athletes, to this. Yeah. I, I don't see a problem in, in mixing, mixing things up. It's not going to make a difference. We've got lives we have to attend to. There's jobs. There's everything else. So, yeah, putting it off for a different day is totally fine. And you may have to, like, after your long run, you might not feel like doing speed work the next day. You might need a little bit of recovery. So it might be switching an off day to the day after your long run. Right. Yeah, we have to do what works for us. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And I'm asking because, like, you obviously have a ton of experience doing marathons. So... What are your goals these days? Like, is it vary per race or? Um, my goal is, it's, it's difficult because I, I find myself getting less goal oriented as I get older. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not going to run a PB anymore. Um, my, my, 
my PR in the marathon is 251.58. Okay. But I did that 10 years ago when I was in my mid 30s. Okay. You know, and that's, I can't compete. I can't compete with my much younger self after I've had that much training. Maybe there's some people, when you start, I think I read something sometime that when you start, you have like a decade of improvement. And it doesn't matter right. when you start, but you can improve for a decade. So, um, yeah, I try and evaluate my training and make my goals around what I think is, is doable. And I will usually make my goals just a little more aggressive than that. So I've got something to chase because at least when I was younger, I used to run races and I would surprise myself with how much faster I thought I could run, how much faster I'm running than I thought I actually could. Or I'm, I'm not feeling that good, but I can still hold on to a pace for a long time. So I, there's something to be said for that, that, you know, your body can do a lot and you've just got to kind of trust in it. And we race to roll the dice, right? We get a good idea of where we are and where our fitness is and how fast we can run. But we don't know at race pace if we can hold that for three or four hours or maybe a little less, maybe a little more. It's, in, it's yeah for everyone. And also so like the weather, really it could, like so many things come into play when you're racing right like the weather the way you're feeling that day like all these things yeah. and adrenaline so yeah. you can yeah, actually be faster on race day than you might have been yeah you've got to pay you've got to pay attention to a few things like the adrenaline and the excitement those can really um those can be a little detrimental because yeah. they make you very excited in the beginning but it's very hard to to run on adrenaline when you know you're 20 miles into a marathon uh, so you have to kind of be careful about that and, you know, yeah. temper, your, uh, temper your energy output in the beginning. And now, there's, a reason, there's a reason that all the marathon world records have been run at a negative split. So it does pay to run a little slower in the beginning and then, if you can, speed up towards the end. So do you, is there, are there a couple tips that you have for a marathoner since you've done 51 marathoner, marathons? Um, that are like the same through and through, like you just said, like that sounds like one of them, right? Like doing it as a negative split, like paying attention to your adrenaline and energy in the beginning and not to go out too hard. Yeah, I think I, that's something that just, that takes practice. Um, and I have also, I've been caught out very recently with like being too excited or paying too, too close attention to the numbers. So let's see, a race a couple of years ago, um, my stride foot pod was telling me that I could run something like 255. I don't remember the number. So I was like excited, like, oh, wow, my stride, this thing goes with me everywhere. It's going to yeah. know how, how fast I can run. So I went out at a pace in order to run just faster than I thought I could. But I was like, ah, this thing knows me better. Turns out it didn't. It, it was, there were a lot of hills. Um, those caught me out when I'm running too fast in the beginning and it's downhill and then it's uphill, but I'm trying to hold this pace that the stride is telling me to. Yeah. So yeah, that came back to bite me. That was a, that was a good learning experience. And at that point I'd probably run, you know, 48 marathons. But you uh, just so, had like suddenly decided to listen to the data and not pay attention to how you feel. Yeah. So you have to take it with a pinch of salt because it's not, you know, we know what we can do. The, yeah. the tech gives us a good idea of what we can do. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're in control, no matter how much our watches like to make us think that they're in control. All right, just dropping in here to give a shout out to our partners at UCAN. Are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? It's time to give UCAN a try. 
You can utilize his steady-release carbs instead of sugar, so you don't feel the highs and lows in energy. It's been years since I've been able to use gels until I discovered You Can Edge Energy Gels. When you're out training and racing for hours day after day, it's nice to have smart fueling options to boost your performance. Plus, they taste great, are the right consistency, and you don't need to chase them with water. My favorite flavor is pineapple. Also, UCAN's award-winning Edge Energy Gels last longer than other gels, less for you to carry. Top U.S. triathletes Olympian Katie Zafaris and Tim O'Donnell, along with marathon runners Emily Sisson, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, Kira D'Amato, all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and recovery. Level up your race and training nutrition with UCAN. Go to UCAN.co slash Marnie to redeem your free, exclusive Edge sample pack. All you pay is shipping. And to save 20% off any UCAN products, head over to UCAN.co and use our code MARNIE. Now, back to our conversation. Yeah, another thing to recognize is that in the marathon, especially if you only run one or two, it does get easier. But, you know, people are probably not going to PR in their first marathon. Right. You know, because you get to learn the distance. And um, you're running Paris. And then what's your next marathon? New York City. Oh, okay. So that's I've done perfect. it. Yeah. Yeah. Six months apart. Yeah. Perfectly spread out. So yeah, you may find that Paris, you run a fantastic race and then New York is even better. And I don't mean time because New York is yeah. a tricky course to, to run fast on. It took um, me 520 when I did it the first time. Five hours well, and 20. I'm slow though. I'm very slow. I mean, no, I, I don't would... think that's not slow. That's, that's not slow at all. It's but not... I think you may be surprised yeah. that now, you may beat that time by a lot, or you yeah. may not. But yeah. what I will, I'll put, I'll, I'll guarantee, my guarantee is worth nothing, so don't, you know, <laughs> put any stock in it. But I will guarantee that you will feel better at the end of the New York City Marathon 2024 than you did during your first one. And that's oh, because yeah. you know the course, you know what your feel, you know what feelings are to be expected, you know that pain that your body's going to be going through, and that really counts for a lot. You know you can do it. It's not, like, yeah. you know, not the first time. What are some of your, your favorite marathons that you've done? And what is on your bucket list? That's a tricky question. Okay, so I think I like the idea of doing the majors um, just because, you know, the running community tells me that the majors are something that we have to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll do them all. I don't have that big of a push to do them. Um, I put in for them every year, like London, Berlin, Tokyo. And, but I don't think I'm going to get to them by the lottery. Um, yeah. I saw, I saw an interview with Kofuzi and he said that it's easier to build a YouTube channel with 150,000 subscribers and then have a brand kind of help you out to get there than it is yeah. to actually win the lottery. And I believe that. I believe it. So, I yeah. never get in. Yeah. I did well, for New York yeah, City. I did nine plus one. Yeah. That's, that's so good for, for the locals. Yeah, it's great. And it was honestly, I'm doing it again this year because it kept me running all year and it kept me like yeah. my mindset in the game, you know, so yeah. I feel trained. I feel great. Like it made running so much easier for me this year. So yeah. kudos to New York Roadrunners and nine plus yeah, one. They, I mean, I paid for every race and well. I didn't do it as media. So it's, yeah, it's it's worth it just to get into the New York City Marathon. I mean, as a New Yorker yourself, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's so it's iconic for the world, but it's especially so for New York runners. And so, OK, so you're thinking about the majors, but 
you try to get in, but then what are the races that you've done that you've loved? Um, let's see. Uh, the race, so I ran Toronto in October uh, last year, and that was a really good experience for a big city marathon. I was just really impressed with everything. It was um, like they put on a great race. Toronto is a fantastic city. So yeah. I had a good time there. I also did, it was a while ago now, but I did the Mount Desert Island Marathon. So that's in Bar Harbor, Maine. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, and it was just, it was so nice. You run through Acadia National Park, like around the islands, and then you end up in South Harbor, I think. But it was a cold day, it was raining, um, but it was just so beautiful. That it was, that's, that's been one of my favorite races that I've done. Is that kind of what attracts you to different races is like just the, the, the city, the scenery, like the experience? Well, yes and no. Um, my schedule dictates what I do more than anything and, okay. and convenience. So um, obviously I, I live in Florida now. I've lived in Florida for, for 20 years. So I've done a lot of Florida races. Okay. Um, you know. Now, people travel from all over the world to do the Disney Marathon. And, you know, it's a good race. And I've done it four times. So, I, you know, but I don't think I'll ever do it again because I'm not a fan of Disney. And, you know, it's a fairly flat course. But it's still a fun course to go and right. see all the, the characters. And it's a, good, it's a good race. I've done Miami four times as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other, you know, races around Florida. And they're all good. But it's also good to get away. And... Florida's a bit warm, you know, to get good racing conditions is very tricky. Yeah. yeah. Like you're rolling the dice. I feel like they say in New York City, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. But honestly, when it comes to running, I feel like if you can make it in Florida, you can make it anywhere because it is hot. Yeah, it's it's pretty warm. And hot, I think that humid. Me, yeah. Yeah. And that helped me in uh, in Toronto because I had to train through the summer in Florida. So when it was 40 degrees in the morning in Toronto of race, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so nice. Like, I can't believe how good I feel. You know, the, the warm yeah. weather kind of zaps your energy. And is the marathon your favorite distance? Yeah. 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 And now, yep, no doubt. No doubt. What, like, is it because of the training? Is it because of the race? Like, what makes it your favorite distance? It's the, it's the training. It's, um, I think it's like, it's the, it's that time in between you run the first half and the second half. And it really just, it really just, it's like an ego check. It's like you can, you think you're fit, you think you're a good runner, and then you go out and it can really just show you, it shows you your true colors, you have to dig deep. It's, you know, no one runs a marathon that's easy. Right. Know? Or it's never easy to run a marathon at your, at your best when you're actually giving it your best effort. And I just love that feeling of accomplishment that comes with that. And now, do you take a lot of these lessons from running into like your everyday life? Yeah. So it's uh, that's that's actually that's a good question, Marnie. Um, because I started running now when I was when I was younger, I wasn't very academically focused. Let's say you know I was just a goofball. I wanted to leave school as soon as possible and just go traveling. Um, but eventually, I kind of got an idea like, oh, I need to I need to go back to school. And I do credit running with that because it gives you the mindset of I've just got to I've just got to sit down and do it. And even if it's uncomfortable, I could just have to push through. Mm -hmm. So um, it's 
Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, it's it's not just running. I mean, I had I had a wife that was encouraging me. I had right. I had the time to to do it, but I did think that if I wasn't a runner or a long distance runner, I should say, where I would go out and I could be not bored, but I generally don't listen to music on my runs. So mm -hmm. I'm like I'm present with my thoughts, and I've always thought that that kind of helped me to just settle down and focus and work on my, uh, you know, academic studies. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like there's so, I always say like endurance sports, like for me as an entrepreneur and someone who's like running, you know, multiple businesses, it's, it helps keep me focused and, you know, it gives you tangible, a tangible way to understand the idea of goal setting and achieving, right? Because yeah. things that you set in, in work and in life, like they don't always happen no matter what work you do. But a lot of running and triathlon, I feel like if you train and you do the work, you can get pretty close to the goals. So, and you're yeah, in charge. Agreed. I mean, maybe the weather is a factor, but you're pretty much in charge. Yeah. So I like having that as kind of like a metaphor for, you know, when you go back to your desk or whatever your job is, right? Your, your day to day. It's like sometimes, and I've been saying this a lot lately, is that I feel like I'm in mile 20 of the marathon with my brand sometimes, yeah. right? Like it's hard. You've done the work. And you've got six more, 6.2 more miles to go. And you got to just like hang in there and keep going. And that 6.2 miles could be like five more years. But <laughs> it's, yeah. but that's like that. I use that a lot. And I have only done one marathon, but I know how it feels. <laughs> it's like yeah, you're there, well, but you're not. You, you've yeah. also done some long triathlons. So, you know, yeah, 70 you might have done one marathon, but you've been out on the course for many hours at a time. Yes, unfortunately, seven <laughs> at least. <laughs> But it's like, you know, so so speaking of marathons and running and all of your years of experience, I mean, you must have a lot of different shoes that you have run in over the years. And this is kind of your YouTube channel. I mean, this is one of the major components, right? And you also offer running tips and advice and talk about yeah. races that you've done. And yeah, so talk yeah. to me about, let's do like maybe shoes by the deck. I don't know how we can do it. Shoes by the decade well, or some of your favorite shoes over the years. Yeah. That's pretty pretty easy for me. So let's. Um, my YouTube channel is, I guess, my main focus is running shoe reviews. That's, right. That's what I enjoy. I don't, now I just said it. I don't know if I do enjoy that the most. I think what I enjoy <laughs> the most is making yeah. these race day vlogs when I'm actually yeah. running in a race, and it's difficult, and I'm trying to convey how I'm feeling, you know, at mile twenty of a marathon while holding a camera while I'm running. Right. Um, that is very satisfying as well. But I do, I do like shoe reviews and I like running shoes. And you know, the YouTube channel kind of helps me to be able to do that and kind of scratch that itch uh, for just creating something. Um, and I also get to run in a lot of running shoes, which is, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but through the years, because I started this YouTube channel five years ago, January of 2019, before that, I wasn't as focused as I am now on what I put on my feet. So right. I think most of my marathons prior to that time were run in the, in the very beginning. It was going to be the Nike Pegasus. Then I found, uh, why can't I think of the name? But yeah, it was another Nike shoe. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have them. I don't even have them. I'm looking over my shoe wall here. When, I, when I'm looking this way, that's what I'm looking at. To, but yeah, so I ran in the Pegasus for a lot of marathons and I wasn't tracking everything very closely back then. 
So I don't even think I was on Strava. Like when I was running my um, my fastest marathons, I don't think I was even on Strava. So I don't have a record of what shoes I was using for those races. But I think I was running those races in a Pegasus, which today is just it's a daily trainer. And I wouldn't right. dream of running a marathon in a in a daily trainer when right. I have so many other options that are potentially faster. Um, and then in 2017, that was with the release of the the, the, the Vaporfly or the four percent. It was the original Vaporfly that came out. Okay. And I bought a pair of those, and I was just it blew me away. Wow. And I thought I, I thought it changed. It really changed the game for me, as far as being able to run and not be tired at the end of a race. And then luckily we've had a lot of years since then that all the other companies have been able to jump on board. And now there are so many good, fast running shoes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, this proliferation of like variety within each brand and all the different kinds of running shoes for all different styles of runners has really blown up in the last five years. Like I think it started like right when you said like 2019, I feel like everybody during the pandemic got into running in a new way. Also, people got on Strava because of social media and just kind of like being in the running community together and everyone started becoming Instagram and TikTok runners. And I think there was just like a huge movement in the world of running, like another kind of like movement than like the prior years. Um, And now there's just, there are so many great shoes. So so now you, what are your daily trainers and like, what are your sort of like race day shoes? And I know that you probably, do you change every marathon or are you wearing the same shoes? Like, what do you? Well, it depends. So for the last couple of years, since my focus of my, um, my channel has been on running shoes, I am usually choosing a pair of shoes that I haven't run a marathon in before. Okay. Or if I have a race day shoe that is in for testing, I am probably going to use that. And that generally dictates what shoe I run in on any given day is what shoe I have in for testing at the moment. And sometimes it's tricky because I have a lot of shoes in. Like right now, I don't have any shoes in for testing. It's been, it's been a very slow couple of months for me. So uh, this morning I ran, I did a 20 miler in the, uh, the Nimbus 26. Okay. And that's a nice max cushion, just very comfortable shoe. And I've already reviewed it, so I didn't have to worry about bringing the camera with me. or Right, so any, you just got to you do know, your run. I just got to go out and and do the run. And then my next marathon, um, yeah, there's a new shoe coming out. Um, you know, we're under, at the timing of this filming, we are under embargo, so we can't talk okay. about it. But yeah, I, I'll be running that marathon in that new shoe. Okay. And then my next race is Boston. And at this point, I don't know what I'll be using. I'll have to see what comes out between now and then. How many times have you done Boston? Uh, this will be my ninth, ninth year. Wow. So what are you hoping for? I'm just like all over the map with my questions, but what are you hoping for this year? Like, like what's your goal? As time goes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good question. I have to wait closer to the time. Um, so my training for this year's Boston is going to be a little tricky because I'm running a marathon a couple of months before. And usually nowadays, you know, as I get older, things get a little different. It takes me longer to recover than it used yeah. to. Before I used to, th- when I was... Like a decade ago, I used to think that two weeks was a perfect time in between marathons. I'm like, it's perfect. Okay. I, can, I can knock one out and just jump into the next one two weeks later. Now it's definitely in the months where I don't okay. want to run back-to-back marathons. 
you know, on the fast end, I'd like to, my, my A goal will probably be the same as it was in 23, which was three hours and 10 minutes. Okay. Um, and I will probably go for that. And then like this, or in 2023, I ended up running a 3.15 and change. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's all up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. But 3.10 so will probably be my goal. Yeah. And so what's the process for you with reviewing shoes? Like, do you, how many times do you run in your race shoes to kind of like test them out before you actually do a marathon in them? Um, well, with the, the new shoe that we, that we are going to be released at the Olympic trials, um, it's going to be very minimal. It's, it is probably going to be close to out of the box and running a marathon in them. Okay. Um, but you've done enough marathons to be confident yeah. in the shoe yeah yes and nowadays like it's not like it used to be you used to have to break in shoes and make sure it's like it's going to work for you now if you've run with a brand at least i find i don't have any issues with shoes that are going to stop me from doing anything that you know that wouldn't i wouldn't run into the same problem on an easy run yeah so i'm not too worried about that but as far as testing i will always run a minimum of 50k in a shoe before i test it before i review it before you review it. Got yeah. it. Okay. And that's good. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's more, but it's never less. I just feel like for me to like run any more than like 13 miles in a shoe, like I've got to like do some longer runs in it to see how I feel. I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard. It's yeah. So 50 K sounds like a good amount to really log in a shoe. And it started a lot higher than that. So in the beginning of my, my YouTube channel, um, it's, it's surprising to me that I've been doing this for five years now, but it's, it's been like a very quick five years, but all of a sudden here we are. But before I started get, doing a lot of shoes, I would run a hundred miles in the shoe before I would do a review. Um, and then it just, over the years, it start, I start getting more, more product in and right. running a hundred miles just isn't doable, you know, for me to get out content on a regular basis. So the focus right. becomes a lot more like, I'll run specific workouts. I'll do this. I do have a minimum level, but I want to get this content out to people so they know, you know, if they're looking at the shoe, I want them to know, you know, yeah. what they're buying. So how did you start your YouTube channel? Like what inspired you to do that five years ago? Because it wasn't like everyone had a YouTube channel five years ago. Well, I mean, there was, there was a lot of YouTube. There, there were a lot. And, you know, it was Casey Neistat. I liked his style and, you know, he's probably the biggest um, influencer for people starting uh, a YouTube channel, I think. Um, I didn't think I was Casey Neistat. I didn't, you know, my life isn't like that. Uh, I think a professional influencer's life is, uh, it's very fun to like, just do as much fun stuff as he does all the yeah. time. So it was very aspirational. But there was also something like, I was, I think I was missing something creative and I just wanted to do something or have a hobby that wasn't just running. And that's kind of my, why I started. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think I was going to, I didn't want to build it into anything. I didn't want to get more on the business end of it. That, that came later. Um, but yeah, that Peter McKinnon, um, I liked his videos. And so they're both not running YouTubers, you know, they're just, they're just nice guys that they're very good at what they do. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'd say those two were the first. And of course, back then, um, Seth Damore, he was, he was doing a lot of yeah. that stuff. Um, so yeah, I watched some of his, but 
yeah, most of my big YouTubers that I watched were not running YouTubers back when I started. What are some lessons that you've learned along the way? Because I mean, you're obviously, you know, you went from beginning starting a YouTube channel to now being, you know, invited by some of the top brands in running to come to events, to review shoes, to talk about different training programs. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about like what you've learned along the way. Yeah. So that's, uh, th this is, I really enjoy talking about this, like, but so I was thinking about it before our conversation, Marnie, about yeah. like how I am in my life and like, like I'm a baby in the YouTube world compared to the running world. So I've been running for 20 years. So I'm an adult and I understand how the whole running things work and I understand how I feel about running and running doesn't bother me at all. I don't look at other people and think, oh, I wish I could be like them. You know, they're running faster right. than me. And I have no problem not comparing myself to others in running because it's an individual thing and I know that I'm going to do me. On YouTube, on the other hand, um, especially in our like the space that that we're in and our some of our friends are in yeah it's it's very it's still difficult for me not to compare myself to them even though I know it's totally wrong for me to do so and it it means nothing I deep down there is room for all of us yeah but like everyone I think we always look at that next step up so I'm not comparing myself with the YouTubers that have you know that are just getting started and they, they could be much better than me. A lot of them are. Um, right. But I'm not comparing myself with that because they're not where I want to be. I'm comparing myself to the guys and women where I want to be. Right. And, and that can be hard. It, yeah, it can be hard. But the thing is, is that it's the, the goalposts are moving. No matter how big I get, there is always yeah. going to be someone that's, uh, that's, that's doing better than me or maybe not, but I'm going to think they're doing better than me. So, it's actually a really good lesson to like check my ego, to check my expectations. And, you know, I like it and I don't like it at the same time. I like it because I know that I'm able to recognize it and I don't like it because, you know, who wants to compare themselves to others? It's horrible. Yeah, it's stressful. I mean, and I think, you know, one of the things I'm hearing, you know, cause I'm, I'm on both sides of this conversation, right? Like, you know, brands will reach out to me because of my background in marketing and PR and ask me who I would recommend as running influencers or triathlon influencers or wellness influencers to come to an event. And then I'm also like wanting to be asked by yeah, not people that I work with. Also. I'm both. Yeah. So, you know, like, and this recently came up and I, I was thinking like, how amazing is it that I can invite like all of my influencer friends to come to something and I have the perspective like you, like, it's not about um, one person or the other person. It's about all the different visions and views and perspectives that all the people collectively can bring together to the table. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe you have a certain perspective, right? I have a certain perspective, like, you know, our mutual friend, Carlith has a certain perspective, you know, and all the other YouTubers or influencers or podcasters, like, all whatever that expression is like all boats raise all tides or whatever like yeah, it's yeah. good to have, you know it's good to have a mix of people and you know brands have plenty plenty of room to uh they want they want people to make noise on about their events so or about their shoes or about whatever so i think you know like you said like of course we all do that like every day you know i try not to go on social because 
if I see something by someone that's like a competitor, it's causes stress because I have my own agenda and I just have to remember to like take it down a notch. And I do think that, you know, with running also, like everyone is so different and everyone has their own story and you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, my experience, as you said, is going to be a little different and that's important for people watching the videos to, to keep in mind because my wear pattern might be different or the shoes might wear down more for me than they do for another person or better yet, something that I find soft may be firmer if you're substantially lighter. You know, it could be my weight that's making a shoe feel soft to me. So yeah, it's, when it comes down to it, you know, that, that's, that's another reason why I think there's room for everyone in the space because everyone is going to give just that little different, I mean, we're all gonna give the same stats, all the shoes are basically yeah, the same and we all talk facts. about the same stuff. Yeah. It's, our, it's our individual experience that I think maybe people are tuning in for, maybe people just like the personality of one person over another, which I think is totally valid too. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I like your YouTube channel. I mean, I think I probably text you on a daily basis about questions about you. Yeah, we, we've texted so. a lot recently, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's great. I think, you know, and so also you're doing, you know, you're not just on YouTube, you're on Instagram and you're on TikTok. So, you know, you're creating content across multiple platforms, like building your brand. So how do you, do you do that simultaneously? Is it, you know? Yeah, um, how do you... so it's, it's funny, like I, I appreciate that you're talking to me like I have some clout or like I've been doing it for a long time because that also makes me feel a little bit of like imposter syndrome. And I certainly feel like that when I get invited to, you know, bigger events like you and I go into, it's gonna be- yeah before this, uh, this actually goes live. Probably, but, yeah. yeah. But I, I do feel a little bit of imposter syndrome when I'm like asked to do certain things. Um, a lot of the times it's me reaching out to brands to, yeah. to get attention. It's like, hey, I'm over here, you know, look at me. I'm still small, but, but this, this, and this. But as far as going back to Instagram and actually YouTube as well, I still feel like I haven't, I haven't licked it. I don't actually know what I'm doing my growth isn't that quick. It's, it's consistent growth, but it's not quick growth. Like I haven't slowed down my growth. It's just very yeah. incremental gains, you know, it's like running. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with Instagram, it's even more so. And TikTok is just something that I repurposed Instagram and put on yeah. TikTok to see. And it's, it's almost like an exercise in futility, but yeah. it's, I still maintain it because it's not really a lot of work for me to just yeah. make a post and put it on there two things. But you know, Instagram seems to be like a primary way of just showing our community what we've done and also mm-hmm. communication. You know, I, yeah. I reach out to a lot of people through Instagram. So it's good to keep it, uh, just keep the content going, uh, even though it's the return on that investment isn't always apparent to me. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself, I still, I do this for fun, right? This. For me, this isn't what's paying the bills. This is my right. hobby, or you called it a side hustle the other day. It's definitely more of a side hustle now yeah. than just a hobby. Um, but I enjoy posting everywhere. It's uh, you know, I just like putting stuff out. It's fun. It's it scratches that creative itch still. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you looking forward to this year? Like, what's your next? You said Boston, but so yeah, what yeah, can we so- expect to see? Maybe can you talk about anything that's not under embargo? that may be coming out like mid-February on your channel or? Um, no, it's, I, I can't really. And it's not because I okay. want to keep something from you. It's because I, I just don't have anything at the moment. 
I like to plan. I'm, I'm very much a planner. So it's a little uncomfortable to be in the position that I am now when I don't have stuff that's coming out um, planning. Um, okay. A lot of times stuff shows up on my door and I don't know that it's coming. So then it's like, wow, I've got to do a review of this. Okay. Um, other times I will, I will like send out requests to some brands and they don't follow up. And sometimes they do, but they haven't told me that they're sending something. Right. Uh, so yeah, right now I have no idea. So after the trials, I am, I'm pretty much sure that I'm going to run a marathon. So I will have that video coming out in the middle of February. Um, we're going to have the content from the trials event that we've got. Uh, let's see. I just did a review of, of the Mizuno Wave Rebellion Pro right. 2. So if there are any more super shoes that I get, there'll be comparison videos with the Wave Rebellion Pro 2. Um, you know, we're in a big super shoe time right now. I haven't got most of them at the moment, but I imagine them to, to trickle in over the next couple months. Um, um, so I'm really looking forward to that. This has been awesome. Matt, thanks for hopping on. I think, you know, best of luck to you with your YouTube Thank channel you. and growing your brand. And I think like, just keep going because there's someone out there for everyone. Like every YouTuber, there's so much value to runners in the community and, you know, finding the right shoe is not easy. And just like understanding marathoning and racing and all those things, like the more information that everyday runners have, the better. Yeah, I think so. Hey, I really appreciate your time and having me yeah. on the podcast. I, I love your podcast. I, you know, I love listening to all the people you have on and now I'm one of them. So that's a, it's a big, big ego boost. Thanks again for tuning into Marnie on the Moon. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events. 